Hey. I'm so glad you answered. You're never going to believe what happened to me. Hello? Are you in your car? Yeah, it's, I'm always in my car. You know I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's my office. Hi, Rob. Sis, guess what? What? I landed the account. What's up? She showed up to her interview in a prom dress. <laughs> Hi, I'm Robin Frank, the owner of Thumbs Cookies, and I make tiny, delicious butter cookies in Minneapolis. And I'm Lisa Frank, the owner of LBF Recruitment Strategies. I'm an executive recruiter and career coach in Chicago, and I'm also the author of the blog, Frankly Speaking. And together we are two sisters and both business owners with a lot of questions. And this is our podcast. You You have have no idea. idea. So the thing is, like, going through entrepreneurship is super lonely. You know, you go through a daily struggle, like, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to hire a person? How am I going to expand? How am I going to, like, cover up this mistake I made? How am I going to figure out what license I need? How am I going to be in 12 places at one time? (laughs) Exactly. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to call my sister and vent to her because I don't even know who else to call because everyone else is, like, working a nine to five. And we're working a seven to seven. Yeah. What about all these people that are going through business alone and they don't have a sister to call? Like, what do they do? Or people who are thinking about it and they're not really sure who to turn to because I get a lot of people who say to me, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do something on my own, but they don't have a support system around them. They don't know anybody else who's ever successfully done it. Yeah. And we're, are we successful yet? I mean, (laughs) it's all about how you define success. But we're doing it. We're We're on the journey. Yeah. We're doing it, which just means I think that every day we wake up and decide we're going to still do it. There is a superhuman side to starting a business. We call it the heart of the hustle. Exactly. The heart of the hustle. There are a lot of days where you feel like shit, to be honest. I don't know if it's okay that I swear on this, but there are days you wake up and you're like, I don't really know if I can like keep doing this today because I don't know if it's working. I don't feel confident. I kind of feel like a failure, but I kind of got to show up. So I'm going to keep going. Right? Right. (laughs) Do you have anything to add to that? I just went out on a limb. Well, I think that also there are a lot of people You feel like a failure too, right? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody else around you. You're sitting by yourself. There's nobody to give you a review and give you a pat on the back. Like you have to be all those things. Totally. And so... Sometimes you have no idea if anything that you're putting out there, anybody's picking up. You're really vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there and you're putting pictures of yourself on Instagram and, you know, writing (laughs) articles and hoping that people like what you're writing and you just have no idea. And that's why we made the podcast. You have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. So my sister came up with the brilliant title. I totally want to give her that credit. She totally said, like, if people only knew what it's like to really have a business. When I first started making cookies and delivering them, I definitely dropped them down my apartment stairs in Brooklyn, and I made them out of my apartment in Brooklyn, and my roommate was definitely not very happy about it. She's like, you realize you're running a cookie business out of our apartment, and then when I dropped them all down the stairs and started crying and I was like, no one's going to get these cookies because they all got smashed and I took eight hours to make them. Maybe I should stop. Maybe this is ridiculous. But I kept going. I didn't even have a website (laughs) for three years into my business. And finally, someone was like, why don't you have a website? I'm like, oh, I have social media. Right. Like, I mean, am I a real business? Yeah. You should have a, you should have a website if you're a real business in this era. 
there's just so much to cover. There's so much that happens in the day in the life of somebody who's trying to start their own business. Like, and it's so funny because people from the outside looking in, they think it's so glamorous. They say to me all the time, Oh, it must be so nice to work from home and you can wear yoga pants. Yeah. And social media is a joke in that. Like how many times are my friends like, Oh my God, it looks like you're doing so well. You're blowing up, which I mean, yeah, we're all doing great, but we, I'll have to put out on social. That's this is a whole other episode. Social media. They didn't know. They didn't know that you were in your kitchen until three o'clock in the morning. No, and literally this morning, I like my day started with me. I had to make a cookie delivery, and I literally was like, shit, 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 shit. That's like what I say to myself all the time because I didn't have the right. I don't have the right labels, so like now I got to figure out how I'm gonna like masterfully put my shit together and look like I'm really polished when the truth is like it's really not pretty and a lot of my time is spent going shit 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 but you keep on going yeah we thought maybe we should talk to other entrepreneurs maybe we should figure out you know who else is crying in their car because they don't know how to solve problems in their businesses it can't just be me or my sister which P.S. I definitely want to start another podcast called Crying in My Car. But why don't we talk to people about what it's like for them on the human side of things? What is it really like feeling stuck or feeling like a failure or getting over a hump or making... Or what keeps you going? Yeah. Like what what inspires you to just keep on putting this thing out into the world that exists in a vacuum and getting people on board? And so we kind of got sick of our own voices and talking to each other. And we're like, oh, maybe we should talk to other people and see what they have to say. Maybe we could learn something. So we started talking to three different food entrepreneurs in Minneapolis. First, we were able to talk to Aubrey from the Herbivorous Butcher. Aubrey and her brother have a vegan butcher shop where they make meatless meats. And I loved hearing how they got started. My brother and I were both, you know, working full-time jobs. And we would cook on Thursdays, package on Fridays, and sell on Saturdays and Sundays at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. And... You know, so it we was really, a side hustle. It was a side was, hustle. Oh, total side hustle. It was like we didn't sleep and we still don't. And we didn't really know if it would go well. But we initially we actually did a business plan. And I have a cousin who, you know, manages rich people's money, I guess. And I was like, we have this business we want to do. Do you think that you could help us find someone to invest in it? And this was before the farmer's market. And she, you know, was like, oh, this is a good idea, kind of, but I don't think it's going to stick. So <laughs> maybe just start, like, do some catering. We're like, okay, well, whatever. So, so why just- did you keep going? I mean, you had people laughing at you. You had people saying it wasn't going to stick. And it's like, it's clever, but, it, you know, who really knows what motivated you guys to keep keep going and to ignore these people? Uh, because I knew they were wrong. Because I knew it would work. After talking to Aubrey and a few other of these entrepreneurs, we realized they all had something in common. There is this intense determination and sort of, we say blind optimism, but I don't know how blind it is. But like persistent optimism. Every one of the people that we talk to, and I think that when Robin and I look back on, on even our stories, there is just this strong gut feeling that says, I'm going to do this. I know that what I'm doing is, is great. I know that it's a great idea. And even when people are laughing at you or questioning you, I suppose you have to be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur, right? I do. Yes. Because basically everyone's going to tell you 
A lot of people are going to tell you why you shouldn't do what you want to do in the beginning. But you have to be just a little bit delusional enough to be like, yeah, I heard you, but I'm going to keep on going. We also had the opportunity to speak with Amol from The Hot Indian, and he has a restaurant and food truck that makes Indian food more approachable for people like me. And one of the things that really struck me about him is that he had spent all this time, 15 years, I think, working at General Mills, and he knew that he was going to be laid off, and he was so determined to open up his own business, which is so interesting to go from a large corporation like that to working for yourself. I also thought the part about honoring his Indian culture was really interesting. Unlike most folks who start a company, I didn't have the brilliant idea um, like a little cookie that I would want to sell. Um, I, <laughs> I just knew I wanted to start a company. And so I actually took a few months and explored a few different uh, ideas all across the board. Um, this was the only idea that was in food. Uh, I think having our daughter, having her be six months old, you know, I, it struck me as a parent, as a new parent, that um, passing along the Indian culture was really important to me. But I knew I wouldn't be able to pass along the culture as well as my parents did to me because I'm a generation removed. Um, and I think that triggered this business idea of, well, it's not just you know my daughter. It's there's an opportunity to to make Indian cuisine and culture a little more mainstream in America. What resonated with me a lot was when Amol started talking about his dad, because, you know, you and I have Dan Frank as our dad, and we both know how hard it is to convince and impress him. And I thought it was super interesting what Amol had to say about that. And not just convince him. I think that we really, just like Amol, we want our dad to believe in us and to be on our side. And as much as a mole is going against the grain and doing something different than than following in his father's footsteps, you can hear how much his dad supporting him means to him. When I got let go, I I was most nervous about telling my parents um, because I just knew they'd be really worried. But then I was even more worried or nervous to tell my dad that I decided I was going to start my own thing. When I got let go... You know, he's like, oh, you're going to have no trouble finding another job, you know, good resume, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yep, you're yep, like, yep. Dad, and, there's <laughs> something else, actually. Whenever we see each other, so a month ago, all the questions about like, you know, okay, walk me through the next restaurant. The no, like, and how are you going to be able to take enough salary? And I, I realized that trying to explain to him the emotional side of it and why doing my own thing and like that's not gonna that's not what's gonna win him over right and, and it's taken me a while to figure out what works in those conversations with my father because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize when they go into their own business how it affects all of their relationships because other people worry about you you know and they want they want answers like don't even worry about answering to like an investor like you gotta answer to your dad yeah. you know Oh, yeah, my sister is always telling me how worried my my father is. We also got to talk to Ashley Olds, who is such a badass business lady. She started her own ice cream business, and she literally was, like, making it in her attic. I loved her story about the freezer. In my apartment, um, on the third floor of a giant, giant, like, Victorian house, 
in St. Paul. And I asked them if I could put a chest freezer <laughs> and lug it up the stairs to the third floor. Um, <laughs> and so I worked and I worked and I worked. And I worked. This was like, this was like, I made, I was so proud of myself. I made 65 pints of ice cream wow. for this event. And how long? How long did it take you? I think it took me like a week and a half. So you're just up, up in that little sleep. attic, like in that yep. little attic making ice cream? Yeah. Did Thank goodness sleep? it had a dishwasher. Oh, my. <laughs> this company wouldn't have started if it didn't have a little tiny dishwasher. Um, so I brought 65 um, pints of ice cream to my first event and invite, invited anyone I could could think of, all my friends, anybody I knew who would listen, like, come on over, in my, in my good friend's backyard. And um, I sold 110 pints of ice cream. Okay. And my friends and family were so kind to overbuy what wow. I had there. And so then I uh, raced back to my kitchen and, and fulfilled all those orders. Um, so the business model worked great because I could work all month by myself, making the ice cream, making the ice cream all month. And then once a month, we'd have this big tasting or big. Which I, would like uh, get you the money. Then mm. it, we would sell out of everything. Mm-hmm. And also, kind of towards the end of those months, uh, working in the kitchen by myself all those hours, I would start to get a little bit low, a little bit like, <laughs> is this worth it? A little and bit then sad. once a month, once a month, I would get an injection of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing! This is the best ice cream ever. Had an had. ice cream party. I mean, what's <laughs> yeah, that about that? exactly. So I would get that emotional injection once a month, mm-hmm. where I would be like, okay, yeah, I can do it again. And so I'd go do it again, and then. You know, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned uh, for entrepreneurism, entrepreneurship, yeah, is that... Yeah, entrepreneurism, sure. You can make up words your, as an entrepreneur, which is the great part about right? it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that your enthusiasm will ebb and flow, wax and wane. And if you're at the bottom, you just got to ride it out because it'll come back. You think, you think that it won't, but it eventually does. It's so amazing how optimistic all of these entrepreneurs are totally. even when the cards are stacked against them and they're not really sure how they're going to make ends meet right. and they're not really sure if anyone's going to pick up what they're putting down or like their idea. It's so vulnerable. And I think we both realize how important it is to have other people around you, like your immediate family believing in you because it's such a lonely journey. And then you get people that believe in you that aren't even related to you. Like, I really thought it was interesting when Aubrey was talking about what happened with the investor that she met at the farmer's market. This investor person that stepped in, um, he had said, you know, why don't you do this Kickstarter? And if you can earn this money, then I will provide the rest of the money. As sort of a proof of concept, like, do people, are people actually interested in what you're doing? So it was really stressful because it's like, oh my god, if we don't if we don't succeed in this, then we're not going to get this, and then we're you know then we're just we're just back at you know the farmers market every single day. Maybe we'll never get a chance to do this again. What was your Kickstarter goal? Uh, it was fifty thousand for the butcher shop. Yeah, for the butcher shop. Okay, DK. Yeah, yeah, no 50, big deal. 000. Just like we're going to try yeah. to raise fifty k. So we ended up, I think it was 730 backers, um, and we raised 62,000. Those vegans are hungry. They wanted some (laughs) Italian sausage. They were like, we're going to do anything to get it. After our investor died, it was like, who do we tell our successes to? Like, he would be the one that would be super proud of, 
this thing that he believed in with these two weird kids that would like come into his office dressed weird being like, we are going to do this thing, you know, but we don't even have anyone to really tell our successes to that we know it'll really matter to, you know, and so or some of the challenges. Exactly. Yeah. Because he was kind of like a grandpa to us, you know, and like it made him super proud. And I've never seen someone so happy than him on our grand opening day. He just was smiling from ear to ear and talked to every single person that walked in the door. But yeah, we're at that point where we have to make some decisions because we have all these opportunities. And quite frankly, I don't know what to do with those opportunities. So right now. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You know, it's like when we get franchise requests from all over the place, but what do I do? What do I do with that? You know, mm-hmm. just like put them in my pocket and be like, maybe later, Brazil, you know, <laughs> it's like this really weird thing that I have. it's like, like make it or break it time. And it's, I have like stress dreams. I had dreams about all these bugs last <laughs> night. And I, I smashed a bug and then it puffed up and, and threw out 10 more bugs. And, oh, I've had that dream. It's crazy. And then it, and it threw out a projection of the middle finger emoji just in the sky, <laughs> the bug. See, if this doesn't make you guys want to become business owners, I really don't know what would. I mean, right. is... I agree. <laughs> we finally got to ask all of our guests about their you have no idea moment. So, Ashley, I need to ask you, what is your you have no idea moment? I think I, <laughs> I, think I have, them, have them from time to time. There was like um, one time we were going to um, <laughs> we were going to an event and this was going to be the first public event for sweet science. And I was bringing little like, I don't know, six ounce cups or something. <laughs> of ice cream. And I was gonna, I was gonna sell them for like, I don't know, five bucks or whatever it was eight. I think it was eight ounces for five bucks. And this was like, there was a lot riding on this, right? Because Mm -hmm. I had my, I sort of had, it was very personal to me that people, if people don't like it, they're saying something about me. Totally. And so, um, then we get to this event and it was like, the line was like, (gasps) it was like, where are these people coming from? And they were, Nobody really wanted to hear like, oh, and so we started and we use all organic and whatever. And they were like, right. just give me that frame. Give me, give me a sample. I want to move on, you know? And um, <laughs> it was like, we were put through the trenches. We didn't have time to stop and take a break, get any water, go to the bathroom. It was just insane for three hours. And uh, that's when I knew that like, this is, this is not for the weary of heart. <laughs> It's not. It's, and I think that, you know, it's so great to hear the stories from the inside out because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, it's so great. You work for yourself and it's so much, so flexible and you make your own hours and all they see is whatever you put on social media. Right. And, and it's all the things behind the scenes that make us <laughs> true solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, totally. whatever we are. And I love to hear these stories of people because it's, it's true. Comforting. You have no idea. They have no idea. Yeah. They have <laughs> no, no, idea. no idea. So remember when we talked about the heart of the hustle earlier? I think that Ashley's story is so reflective of the heart that goes into creating and running and owning a business. Totally. And it's so personal. People always say business isn't personal, but it is so personal. 
It is. And, and Aubrey also talks about how personal it is when she talks about her experiences with customers. Kale and I both were trying to figure out how we could use the like little skills we had to help, I don't know, I guess help save the planet. You know, that's when all the stuff with climate change started coming out and like hearing every single individual customer's story, you know, like, you know, this is for my grandpa who can no longer eat cholesterol or, you know, I just realized that climate change has a lot to do with industrialized farming. Like it's people learning and sharing their stories with us and realizing that, you know, the percentage of beef consumption and dairy consumption just keeps dropping. And it's like something's happening, you know, and, and people are starting to eat with their ethics more than their, you know, stomachs, I think. It, it shows that what we're doing hasn't been lost, you know. It became clear talking to all these people that it's just so not about the bottom line. It's so much more about the actual purpose it starts to bring to their lives and the meaning. And the things that they're all passionate about, which inspire the businesses. Right. And exactly. I really, really, really loved Amol's story about how through his business, he made his mom so proud of him. Oh, yeah. I love that story. August 15th is India's Independence Day. So what I had arranged was I partnered with the Bollywood, they're called the Bollywood Dance Scene. Um, it's like the big Bollywood dance group here. Yeah. And I had worked with them to arrange a flash mob in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, the food truck was going to be down there, 12th and Nicolette. Awesome. And um, so at noon, um, and, and word kind of got out that something's going to be happening. So at noon, and it was a beautiful day, um, there were 40 dancers just took over that um, intersection, 12th and Nicolette, and the skyways and the streets, there's probably a thousand people watching oh this thing. Yeah. And my parents were like in town. Like the Ferris that- Bueller scene when he's like on the float. <laughs> exactly. Twist and shout. <laughs> Similar to that, yes. The, um, and my parents were here visiting for the week or something. So they, they, my Balavi brought our daughter and my parents were there and they saw this. Um, and my mom was like crying in tears because for her, and because, you know, it's 40 people dancing to Bollywood music in the middle of Minneapolis. And all these people are watching white, brown, black, everyone's watching. And I could tell those tears from her were, wow, my son, like, had this idea that led to this thing happening, which is all about our culture, um, you know, and he's like doing this thing that's bringing the culture forward um, to his generation and beyond. So um, that was very, that was that like brought it all together. Uh, my, my staff on the truck was just like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like they had so much fun. It just was a, a big, it was, it was just a, such positive energy and like a love fest. Do let's, we have to do an exit? Let's try an exit. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We have no idea what we're doing, but we're trying. <laughs> I hope you learned something today and we hope you're going to listen again. The beauty of it is that we don't have to be great at this yet. We also suffer from a lot of like self-doubt, but we're still doing this. We're putting ourselves out there. So why can't we just say that? Like, Okay, you guys, we're not the perfect radio hosts. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you learned something. We're just going to put one foot in front of the other, too, and do another podcast episode later. I started an ice cream company 
because I love ice cream. And now my favorite part of it is not even that anymore. It's creating this product that brings people together to have a shared, joyous experience. Uh, the positive side of the conversation with my father is, he says, you know, isn't it rewarding to employ people? That is something um, I had not thought about. Maybe, maybe this is what surprises me uh, about myself, how rewarding it is to employ people. I'm listening to my gut more, and I've learned that, like, if it feels really bad, it probably is really bad. And so that's like my biggest piece of advice now for young business owners is like, if it feels bad, it is bad. <laughs> you Have No Idea is a podcast produced in Minneapolis and Chicago. I'm Lisa Frank, and you can find me and my blog, Frankly Speaking, at lbfstrategies.com. And I'm Robin Frank, and you can find me and my cookies at thumbscookies.com. We would like to thank our brilliant redheaded producer, Mary Beth Romslow, for making us sound so fabulous. We'd also like to thank our guests, Aubrey Walsh from The Herbivorous Butcher, Amol Dixit from Hot Indian Foods, and Ashley Olds from Sweet Science Ice Cream. And our parents, because without them, we wouldn't be here. Truth. We hope you join us again for... You, you have, have no, no idea. idea.